0: well good morning morning. welcome to Cornerstone we're so glad you're here and uh, my name is Jeff Royce I'm a teaching pastor here at Cornerstone and on the last Sunday of 2007 we're gonna talk about spiritual growth and why our spiritual growth as Christians should be a priority of our life in 2008 I believe for a Christian who's growing our best times with God are always ahead of us. So for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2008 with such excitement and anticipation because I believe that this next year holds great things in store for me, good for you, and definitely for our church here at Cornerstone. And, and that's why I wanted to share about why I think spiritual growth should be a priority of our life. We're going to talk just a little bit about what spiritual growth is and how we spiritually grow, but more importantly, I want to talk about why we should spiritually grow. In fact, borrowing from David Letterman, we're going to look at the top 10 reasons why spiritual growth should be a priority in our life in 2008. And the reason I want to spend so much time talking about the why is because I think there's a disconnect with many of us who claim to be Christian. We know that spiritual growth should be such a priority in my life, but it just seems never to get there. We always say, you know, I know I should be in the Bible more, I should be reading it more, more of a Bible study, you know, that type of thing. But again, we never seem to sort of change anything. And so I hope to make spiritual growth such a cool thing and such something that all of us are going to want to go after that we're going to leave this place today going, man, I don't want to pass up the opportunity to grow this year because here's what God has for me if I grow, if I grow. Let me talk, though, for a moment about what spiritual growth is. And hopefully I can relieve some maybe anxiety or bring it down to very simplistic uh, terms. Spiritual growth is just developing and strengthening My relationship personally with Jesus Christ, my Savior. In fact, that's what Peter says. I'm going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, but the verses are also going to be on the screen. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, Peter says he's talking to us about our pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. And that's really what spiritual growth is. It's just developing my personal relationship with Jesus Christ just like I would develop a relationship here on earth. I might be introduced to you. I don't know much about you. You might become an acquaintance. But as we spend more time together, as we invest more in that relationship, as we communicate more with each other, obviously that relationship can get to the point where pretty soon, you know, years down the road, we can be completing each other's sentences. We can know what each other's Thinking without saying it and all of that, that can be the progression in the relationship. Well, the same thing is true spiritually in my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When I accept Him as my Savior, obviously that's where the relationship starts. But then throughout the rest of my life, as I grow in my relationship with Him, there's so much more to experience through that relationship. And that's really what spiritual growth is. It is enhancing. It is... Uh energizing, it is spending time, it is communicating with Jesus to build and strengthen that relationship. How do we spiritually grow as Christians? There's a lot of different ways. In fact, we could do a whole message, in fact, a series of messages on how do Christians grow in their relationship with Jesus. But there's one way that I think is indispensable. There's one thing that if we neglect it, we will not grow. And that is our relationship with this book, the Bible. It is absolutely indispensable for Christians in their spiritual growth. I have never met a Christian yet who is growing in their relationship with Jesus but has no relationship with the Bible. In fact, Peter says in verse 4, Through these things he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what was promised, you and I may become partakers of the divine nature. How do I become partaker of the divine nature of God? By embracing his promises. And where are his promises found? In the Bible. In fact, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn infants, yearn or desire the pure milk of the word of God so that we might grow. So over and over again, the Bible teaches the importance of growth connected with the Bible. In fact, Jesus early on with his followers said, man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the Bible is the best way I have grown in my Christian life and I think it is absolutely indispensable. So if someone was to ask me, Jeff, how do I grow as a Christian? I usually always point them back to their relationship to the Bible. But More than looking at what spiritual growth is and how we spiritually grow, again, I want to spend time talking about all the great things that are ours, why we grow, and and what are ours when we grow as Christians. So, reason number 10, why spiritual growth should be a priority in our life in 2008. It will give me a growing awareness of our God-given resources and how to apply them. Now in verse two of 2 Peter chapter one, Peter says this, may grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now when I accepted Christ as my savior and became a Christian, I had his grace and peace. I knew his grace and peace. But Peter is making a very important point and implication here in verse two. He's saying yes, but as I grow, I even become more aware of his grace and peace. I become more aware of all the God-given resources I have available to me. His love, his joy, his self-control, his patience. All these things I become more and more aware of as I grow. And not only do I become more aware of these resources that God has available to me, I begin to learn through my spiritual growth how to apply them in my life and when to apply them so that it gives me a skill in living my life to know not only what I have available to me, but when is the best time to use it, and where to use it. Let me give you an illustration. Since we gave away a Disney trip, let me use Disney, all right? I've went to Disney a couple times, like I'm sure most people in here probably at least been to Disneyland or Disney World once in their life. The first couple times I went to Disney, I was standing in line like everybody else. And all of a sudden I saw people begin to whiz by me and go to the front of the line. And I like, what's up with that? How come they get to go to the front line? Well, at Disney it's available to everybody who wants it. You can do this fast pass thing where you can go to a ride you want to, you know, get a reservation for a certain time, come back and then just go right in. I said, really? I said, is that available to every, oh yeah, it's available to everybody. Well, I had went to Disney a couple times. I wasn't aware that that was available. And now I won't go to Disney without using the FastPass system because I became aware of something that the first couple times I was there, I was not aware of. And then I get this understanding. I get this knowledge about how to navigate the park to get more out of it. And all of a sudden, it's something that I'm going to use. Same thing with our spiritual life. As we grow, we learn more through the Bible of what's available to us and what resources we have, like grace and peace, and then we can apply them to our life and use them for our benefit and for other people's benefit. Another thing I learned from a friend of mine he says oh you realize too if you go to Disney and you want to go on the monorail ride that you can ride right up front with the driver you don't have to ride in the back with everyone else and as you're riding around Disneyland or Disney World he'll be able to tell you all cool kinds of insights and stuff that most people that go to Disney never hear about I said really how do you do that well you just do this and, and it works and I, so the last time we went guess what we were there we were riding the front of the car we're talking to the, I'm like this is pretty cool I never knew that resource was available to me, but through a growing understanding, through a growing knowledge, those resources become known and they benefit us. That's the number 10 reason why I should make spiritual growth a priority in my life. Because the more I grow, the more I realize all these things out there that I never even realized were available to me, now are mine, and then I learn through my spiritual growth how to use them, and how to apply them for the greatest benefit of my life and the life of others. Reason number nine, it will enable me to become all that God created me to be. As I share with people all the time, salvation is not the end. It's just the beginning of this wonderful new life and relationship with God. So when I become a Christian through faith in Jesus Christ, that's just the beginning and, and even though God imparts spiritual life to me when I become a Christian, nothing changes as far as my character until I begin to grow. That's what Peter reminds us of in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 when he says, I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us. Notice, the, life, the word life there is talking about our spiritual life, the life that is imparted to us when we accept Christ as our Savior by faith, when we're saved, as we say. But I don't become godly overnight. In fact, becoming godly, or all that God created me to be, is a lifetime process for us as Christians. And as I grow, though, I become more godly so that I become all that God created me to be. Because when God created me, he didn't create me just to have a relationship with him, just to have spiritual life. He created me to become godly, to reflect his moral character, if you will, to the world. Now, I can't become God, but I can reflect the moral character of God. I can be loving like God is loving. I can have peace like God has peace. I can have self-control like God has self-control. In fact, all the fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians chapter five can be mine as I grow. And that's one of the great byproducts of growth. In fact, you also notice in verse three of 2 Peter one that Peter reminds us that God has given us everything we need to spiritually grow. Not only to have life, to have a relationship with him spiritually, but then to become godly. So I can't one day get to heaven and go, well, God, if you'd have just given me this or if you would have just given me that opportunity, I could have grown. I could have become all that I was created to be. No, we can never say that because God says, I've given you everything necessary. And in the original language, the word everything is like, it's prime in the sentence. It's like, it's the emphasis. Everything has been given to us. What are some of the things God's given to us? Well, again, the Bible, his word, that's huge. That's how we grow. The access of prayer that we have to God. We can pray to God anytime, anywhere, about anything. That's huge. The church. God created the church so that we could come together and and benefit from the spiritual gifts and abilities of other people so that we can grow. Fellowship. I mean, we could go on and on. Resources. Goodness, we have a bookstore right here in our church over there Books and tapes and all kinds of things that can benefit us to become godly, to become all that God created us to be. He's given us everything, but we've got to engage it, we've got to enter into it. It's just like if I was trying to get into shape physically, you know, I could have access to this gym, I could have a gym membership. But if I never go, all that great equipment and and exercise equipment isn't going to get me in shape because even though it's available to me, I don't ever take advantage of it. Same thing is true spiritually. What God is saying in his word basically is, I've given you everything you need in your spiritual gym to get spiritually in shape and to stay spiritually in shape and to grow, but it's up to us. It's our responsibility to use it, to engage it, to get into the Bible, to use prayer to come to church, to get involved in all of those things, to avail ourselves of those resources so that we can grow. Reason number eight, it will help me to be freed from my past and focus on my future with hope. That's huge. It will help me to be freed from my past and focus on my future with hope. Where do we get that? Well, in verse four, As he talks to us about becoming partakers of the divine nature, he also adds this. After escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. And that word escaping, it literally means to flee successfully from danger. And what God is saying is as we go after him positively and look into the future with hope, We've got to be able to lay our past behind us and not allow that to be a cloud that hangs over us, not allow that to be a weight around us, but to let our past be in the past and and, and accept the forgiveness of God for whatever is in our past and not allow our past to define where we are now and where God could take us. We need to learn to, in a sense, pack away our past properly to be able to move into the future with God. And I've run into a lot of Christians over the years that one of the reasons why they're not throwing their energy into moving forward with God and spiritually growing is because there's still something in the past that's haunting them. There's still something in their past that's got a hold of them. There's still something that they're not able to lay down or to accept the forgiveness of God for. And so they're never able to quite, again, move future forward because of the past. Well, when you and I spiritually grow and we keep on growing, it's through our growth that we learn to accept the forgiveness of God. We learn to move past our past, and it's not that we can, as human beings, ever physically forget our past, but we can pack it up properly to where it's not a burden to us in the present or the future and not something that's holding us back from becoming all that God created us to be. That's huge. And then, it not only does that, but it helps us and enables us to look forward to our future with hope. Again, that's why I'm looking forward to 2008, because I believe that God has great things for me, for you, for this church in 2008. How can we look to our future with hope unless we've been able to sort of properly pack our past away where God wants us to? A great biblical example of that is Paul. Paul, maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived, and yet if you know the story of Paul, you know here was a guy who persecuted Christians, persecuted the church before he became a Christian, was even responsible for the murder of Christians, and yet through his spiritual growth, he got to a point where in the book of Philippians, as he's writing this letter, he says, I learned to forget my past and to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, if Paul could learn to properly pack his past away and not allow it to be this cloud that hangs over his head or this weight around his neck, you and I can do the same thing as we spiritually grow. So, reason number eight, it will help me to be freed from my past and focus on my future with hope. I hope that as we stand upon the precipice of a new year, 2008, that you and I can all, because we have spiritually grown in 2007, Look with anticipation and hope towards 2008. Reason number seven, it will motivate me to seize God-given opportunities rather than to avoid them. You see, as I'm spiritually growing, when God brings opportunities into my view, I'm going to be in a better place to take them, to seize them, to go after them. If I'm not spiritually growing, if, if I'm sort of, going backwards spiritually, and let's all be reminded that the Christian life is never static. I'm either moving forward or I'm moving backward. If I'm not continuing to grow, that when God brings those opportunities in front of me, I'll probably pass them by. Either because I'm not spiritually ready to take them yet, I might not be emotionally or physically ready to take them yet, I may even be too focused on me. I mean, a lot of times in my past, the reason I bypassed opportunities is I was too focused on me. Well, God, I, I'm, I was looking at my frailty. I was looking at my failings. I was looking at me rather than keeping my eyes focused on God. And God may have wanted me to take that opportunity to build my faith and to strengthen my faith and to stretch my faith, but I wasn't in a position to grab a hold of those opportunities when God brought them to me because I wasn't continuing to grow. But as I grow, oh, my goodness, when those opportunities come, we're more likely to seize them. For instance... Even in this auditorium this morning, some of us in 2007, we heard about opportunities, say, in just one area, missions, to go on short-term missions trips last year. And maybe in some of your hearts and minds, God was prompting you to step up and, why don't you go on that missions trip? It's a trip of a lifetime. You should go. And you and I backed off. And the reason we backed off is because we weren't continuing to grow But when we continue to grow, when those opportunities come our way, we're going to be more likely to seize them. And let's face it, some opportunities come around again in our lifetime. We get second chances at some opportunities, but some opportunities don't. And that's why it's important that we keep growing, because sometimes those opportunities that we pass up, because we haven't continued to spiritually grow, never come back around. I would encourage you, as you look forward to 2008. Keep growing because God's gonna present to you in 2008 some amazing opportunities. And he wants you to seize those opportunities for your benefit and for other people's benefit around you. And buying up those opportunities is just very, very huge. And God's gonna give us opportunities in 2008. Will we be ready to take them and seize them because we have spiritually grown. Reason number six. It will show the reality of God in my life to others and bless them. As you move down through the passage, when you come to verse eight of of 2 Peter chapter one, he says, if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective. I wanna stop there and focus on that word ineffective this morning. Because that word describes one who avoids opportunities and should be, that they should be seized. But then the next word he uses is, and unproductive, in that same phrase. And the word unproductive describes a tree that remains without fruit under the most favorable conditions. It's like God is saying, I've given you everything you needed in your life to be this fruitful tree as a Christian, and there's very little fruit there, no fruit there. And God wants our lives to bear fruit. One of the reasons why is because He wants us to show the reality of our relationship with God to other people. And the easiest, best way for them to see the reality of God in our lives is by fruit. It's like me. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't look just at the trunk or stump of a tree and tell what kind of tree it is. But if you throw an apple up there, I'm pretty smart. Like, that's an apple tree because of the fruit. And the same thing is true with God. That's why Jesus said that my Father is honored by this, that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. That's what he means by being productive. It just means being fruitful. And God wants, in a sense, his fruit to shine through us so that other people can look at our lives and go, there's a Christian. That's what a person who knows God, that's what their life is like. That's what a follower of Christ is like. They've got, they've got apples on their tree. And then beyond the fact that it shows other people the reality of God in our life, and the more we grow, the more fruitful we will be, it also blesses others. Because just like fruit trees, fruit trees taste good, it's refreshing. And our lives can be the same thing. That as we bear fruit, and then God brings people into our lives, in a sense, they can partake of our spiritual fruit and be blessed and be refreshed and be encouraged because of the spiritual fruit that our lives are producing. So that's one of the great reasons why we should grow. Because as we grow, as he said, we can become unproductive, but God wants us to be productive as we grow, to be fruitful, in order not only to show the reality of God in our lives, but to bless those around us. Reason number five, it will assist me in keeping an eternal perspective on life in verse 9 he says but concerning the one who lacks such things he is blind that is to say he is nearsighted in other words peter is saying that if i don't continue to grow that i can actually contract or develop sort of a spiritual myopia or nearsightedness that i can get to the point in my life even as a christian where i'm just living for the here and now And all my decisions and choices and things that I decide to do are only because they affect the here and now, and and I'm not taking eternity into account at all. You see, for the spiritually growing Christian, God wants us to make decisions and choices always with eternity in mind. That's why Jesus even said to those who follow him, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures just on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because up there, it's never going to wear out. No one's ever going to steal it. It's going to be something that you're going to be able to enjoy forever and ever and ever. So God always wants us to keep an eternal perspective on life and on the decisions and choices we make. I'm sure that if all of us could roll back time a little bit in our lives, there are some choices that we made that if we would have had eternity in mind, or even how that decision affected other people negatively, we probably wouldn't have made that decision or that choice. And that's what spiritual growth can do. It can in a sense heighten our sensitivity or heighten our awareness to eternity and how my decisions and choices affect eternity so that I'm able to make the best choices. Because sometimes my choices in life as, as a Christian, a lot of times it's not between making a good choice and a bad choice, that's pretty obvious. But sometimes the harder choices are I've got two choices in front of me. I got a good choice, then I've got a better choice. And God always wants me to be able to discern the best choice, even from two good choices. How do I learn to do that? You learn to do that as you spiritually grow in the Lord. That's what he's saying about not becoming spiritually blind or nearsighted and living only for the moment that all I see is right in front of me and I have no accounting of eternity as I make these decisions and choices in my life. Reason number four, it will allow me to keep my relationship with God in the moment. He goes on in verse 9, not only to talk about becoming blind or nearsighted, but about the fact that I can get to a point as a Christian where I have even forgotten about the cleansing of my past sins. Unbelievable. My sins are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ, but as I move through my life, if I don't continue to grow, the impact and the encouragement from my relationship with God sort of loses its impact and encouragement. I compare it again to like spiritual amnesia or, or even today on earth when people get Alzheimer's disease. The relationship is there, but the impact and the encouragement from that relationship isn't there anymore because they've forgotten a lot. The Bible says that if we don't keep growing as a Christian, we can almost forget what it was like when we first came to Christ. Christ how excited we were to have our sins forgiven and have a relationship with God, that it almost gets mundane, it gets routine, it's sort of, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, and it almost like over the months and the years that go by and even the decades, we as Christians can get into the danger of losing the impact and the encouragement from my relationship with God because I don't keep growing. And, and my salvation the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and all of these things, my fellow Christians, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. You see, God wants our relationship with Him to always be fresh, to always be in the moment, so that even if I've been a Christian for 50 years, I'm just as excited about being a Christian, I'm just as excited about growing as a Christian as I I was when I first became a Christian. And that is possible if I continue to spiritually grow Every day, every week, every month, every year that goes by. Reason number three, it will bring daily confirmation and assurance to my life. I think all of us want assurance and confirmation every day. And guess what? Every day that I get into the Bible, I read about how God loves me, how he cares about me, how he has this wonderful plan for my life, how he has a future for me, how he has my best interest at heart, I get all that every day and I'm assured and confirmed in that relationship if I just keep on growing. And and assurance and confirmation is important in relationships. I mean how would we like it if in our earthly relationships if you're married and you have a spouse, if you never heard your spouse say, I love you. But every day if you hear your spouse sort of assure you and confirm you, I love you and we're in this together, doesn't that encourage your heart? The same thing is true when we spiritually grow. It gives us a daily dose of God confirming and assuring our hearts. Because we all struggle with doubt. All of us. And let me just say this. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how committed of a Christian you are. Being human, we will always struggle with doubt. I still struggle with doubt. I've been a Christian for 35 plus years and a pastor for 23 plus years. I still struggle with doubt at times. But because I keep on growing, the doubt isn't as intense as it used to be and it doesn't last as long because I'm getting a daily dose of God's assurance and confirmation in my life. That's what Peter meant in verse 10 when he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election. Keep your relationship with God fresh, keep it in the moment, and keep opening yourself up, to that daily confirmation and assurance that God wants to give you. It's one of the great byproducts of our spiritual growth. Reason number two, it will grant me spiritual clarity and stability. It will grant me spiritual clarity and stability. I think one of the most asked questions that I get as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone from folks who attend here is, give me some help as to what my next step is in life or is a Christian. And here's one of the cool things. When you and I are spiritually growing, we begin to learn on our own what that next step should be. Because God illuminates the path in front of us. And we not only know where we've come from and where we are, but with God's help, we also know where we're going. That's why the psalmist writes, your word is a lamp to walk by and a light to illumine my path. As we spiritually grow, this book, the Bible, basically gives us light to be able to know where we're going, to know what the next step is in my life. And that's huge, because I've never run into anybody who doesn't want to know what's that next step that I should take. Our spiritual growth gives us that clarity and stability that we need, and that's why we need to keep growing. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verse 10, for by doing this you will never stumble into sin. Now that verse doesn't mean we'll never sin. It doesn't mean we'll never fall. What he's talking about there is he's picturing this Christian who knows the Lord but has stopped growing and it's like they're trying to navigate life and they go over here and they bump into that. and Okay, that was bad. that Okay, I'm going over here and boom, they bump into that and it's just sort of a picture of this stumbling and bumbling through life and hitting this obstacle and hitting this obstacle. And Peter is saying to us that if we keep growing, we won't keep hitting these obstacles, but we will have our path clearly illuminated in front of us and we will know what the next step in our life or our life with God is to be. It's one of the great reasons why spiritual growth should be a priority in our life. But the number one reason I think the most dynamic reason why we should make spiritual growth a priority in our life is it will reward me eternally. The life I live now counts for eternity. That's huge. The Bible teaches that God will reward me and give me responsibilities throughout eternity based upon my faithfulness, my commitment, my spiritual growth down here on earth. Now, you and I, you know, if we're parents, we, we encourage our children to go to college because a college education is going to benefit you the rest of your life. How about something that's not only going to benefit us for the rest of our life, and all these first nine reasons are certainly reasons why we should spiritually grow. But then the last reason is, not only will my spiritually growth benefit me for the rest of my life, it's going to benefit me throughout eternity. That's pretty huge. That's what Paul or Peter, excuse me, means in verse 11 of 2 Peter 1, when he says, thus an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Peter isn't talking about the fact of me entering into heaven. That was taken care of when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He's talking about the way you and I enter into heaven. He's talking about the amount of reward and responsibility that I will get based upon my spiritual growth and my commitment and faithfulness to God down here on this earth. Now, some people say, but Jeff, you don't understand. I'm just satisfied that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. My sins are forgiven. I know I'm on my way to heaven. For me, that's enough. I don't really care about the rewards and the responsibilities and how that all affects me. I'm just glad to be getting there and to enjoy heaven. Well, let me go back to Disney to illustrate why I don't think that's enough, because The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 to all of us as Christians that when we enter into the Christian life, into this race we call the Christian life, run to win. And don't be satisfied as a Christian just to be in the race, but give it your very best because all of us only have one life on this earth. We don't know how long that life is, so let's give it our very best. Let me illustrate it. Two people go to Disney. One buys a ticket into Disney and all they do all day is they walk around the entire park. They walk down Main Street, they go to all the different lands that Disney has and everything, but all they do is just walk around the park. And as they leave that night, they've spent the whole day walking around, and we could say they experienced Disney. But then you have another person over here. They also bought a ticket into Disney. But when they got into Disney, and they spent all that time and energy and that day in Disney, They not only walked around, but they went shopping. They went to all the shows. They hit every ride. Man, they rode Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain, and and they went to the Haunted Mansion, and they went to every place. Now, at the end of the day, we could say that both of them experienced Disney, but which one experienced Disney to the fullest? Was it the one who just said, well, I got my ticket, and I'm in, and I'm just walking around, and that's enough for me, or was it the one who went into Disney and they experienced everything that Disney had? Which experience would be richer? What experience would be fuller? What experience would just bring Disney you know, home? Well, obviously, the second one. And that same principle can apply spiritually. I tell Christians all the time, hey, if you're satisfied with knowing Christ as your savior, God bless you, I'm glad you're a Christian if you're not interested in growing and all of that, but I gotta tell you something. God has these wonderful rides. He's got these wonderful shops. He's got these wonderful shows that he wants you to experience in this life and in the life to come. And unless you and I commit ourselves to spiritually growing, we're not gonna experience all that God has for us. And God wants you to experience that. He wants you to get everything out of your relationship with him that you and I can possibly soak up. Just like the person who Disney, who goes to Disney and rides the rides, and goes to the shops, and goes to the shows. They really experience Disney in a higher way than the person who just got the ticket and walked around. Guys, I hope that you and I, as we leave here today, My one goal and one prayer in sharing this with you today was that each one of us, as we leave 2007 and in a couple days enter into 2008, first of all, look at 2008 as just all these opportunities and possibilities available to us, and that each one of us would say, I'm going to take some step, I'm going to make some commitment in my life to make spiritual growth a priority of my life. I'm going there. I hope you'll go there with me. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for loving us enough, Lord, to want to have a personal relationship with us, but also, Lord, wanting us to experience you and in this relationship to the very fullest. And God, I pray that, that you would just take this message this morning and just help us all to be encouraged to go after you and 2008 like we never have before. God, if, if there are some here and 2007 has been a great year of spiritual growth, then I hope as they leave that they're just going to look forward to 2008 and go, yeah, and 2008 going to be another great year of spiritual growth for me. But maybe there are some here this morning that 2007 was not the year of spiritual growth. It could have been or should have been. And maybe today it's time to lay 2007 almost in the past. And to look to 2008 and go, okay, but 2008 is full of opportunities and possibilities, and I'm going to make my relationship with God a priority in my life, and I'm going to spiritually grow like never before. And maybe there's even some here today that they've never accepted Christ as their Savior. They've never entered into that relationship with you to begin this wonderful life of spiritual growth and to learn all that's available to them. God, maybe today is that day they take that step towards Christ and say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to experience all that God has for me in this life and the life to come. God, excite us about 2008 excite us about our relationship with you. Help us to take that step today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.